name is Craig Kenta Saito, and I'm a local here. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Little Tokyo Talks podcast. My name is Walter Nishinaka, and today my guest is my friend Craig Kenta Saito. Hello. How's it going, Craig? Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. So I haven't seen Craig in like two years or something, right? Since the pandemic mm-hmm. took over our world. But Craig and I have a lot in common. Um, aside from being my friend, uh, he's also a fellow Taiko player in the community. And I found out some stuff today that we're going to talk about. So um, first, how did we meet? So I don't remember exactly what year, but um, we had a mutual friend, Rodney Kageyama, And I was at a bong one day and he said, Hey, Craig, I really need to introduce you to the Nishinakas. Do you know who they are? Um, And he said, No, I don't know. Um, Yeah, like just show show me around. And then he introduced me to your family. And then I found out that your cousin, um, who I went to UCR with, you guys were related. And I always saw him at Nisei Week. And then I found out you guys worked for Nisei week and all just snowballed from there like we just started hanging out more and more yeah so I remember that day because um I didn't meet you when you met my family I was somewhere else but Mm. then we ended up in line and this was at Senshino Bone Mm -hmm. uh we ended up in line with Rodney and that's when Rodney was like hey kid I want you to meet Craig Uh, uh he's a taiko player yeah and I was like what's up Craig (laughs) um but yeah, so I remember that day. That was really cool. And then after that, um, I feel like when I started getting small gigs here and there, I would hit you up and mm. be like, hey, Craig, you want to play with me on this thing? That's right. So yeah. uh, how many gigs have we done together? I think we've done maybe like two or three. At least three. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but you're a Taiko player. How long have you been playing Taiko? Uh, I started playing in 2004. With um, UC Riverside's uh, Sangryu Taiko. Nice. And then after that, I moved to um, the West Covina community, Kishin Taiko, Taiko group, and have been playing with them ever since, like, 2009. Nice. Yeah. Did you know that my cousin Grant played Taiko, too? No, I didn't. Yeah, so my cousin Grant and I actually started the same time back in 96. Oh, cool. Um, but then he stopped. You know, life takes over. You mm-hmm. get older. You find new interests. And then... Uh-huh. I'm the only one that stuck with it. Were you guys playing together at, at Chikara? Chikara? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So cool, cool. the way that Chikara started, it you know all the church members who were interested in playing in that like group uh-huh. were like, okay, sign up. So uh-huh. Grant was one of them. Oh, okay. Um, and Grant was actually, you know, it's funny. Grant's um, my older cousin. Yeah. He's one of my favorite cousins, probably mm. my favorite cousin. And I used to always want to be like him. So when he would play oh. taiko and stuff, he looked really cool playing taiko. Uh-huh. Um, so I was really bummed out when he stopped. Dang, yeah. I yeah. wish I saw him playing Taiko. I wanted, been you know, I was cool. thinking about getting like a family group because a lot of my cousins ended up playing. Like right now, um, my cousin Ayama is playing in Chikara again. She played oh, okay. back in the day, took a huge rest, and then came back. So I'm playing uh-huh. with her again. So that's kind of cool. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, so some of the gigs that we've done, we've done small, you know, just community events, but mm-hmm. um, Rocking out with Lolita Dark, right? Yeah. With Reiko and her band. I think that was our first gig together, I think that was right? the first thing we yeah. did. That's when I I learned that, like, oh, Craig's style of play is pretty much how I play. So mm. I, I was like, oh, we could vibe together. That's yeah, going to yeah. be, you know. So when it comes to Little Tokyo, though, mm-hmm. where are you from? 
originally? So from the San Gabriel Valley. You're from San Gabriel yeah. Valley. So um, do you have experiences in Little Tokyo? Did you ever come out here or um, are you like relatively new, like within the past, you know, when you met Rodney and stuff? Mm-hmm. So um, my history with Little Tokyo goes back to my parents. Um, my mom started working for a Little Tokyo service center back when it was still getting started um, with Bill Watanabe, Yasuko-san. And yeah, like I remember going to the office with her and sometimes when she was busy, I'd go to Bill's office, you know, hang out with Uncle Bill, and they would babysit me when she was busy or when they were busy too. I would just be passed around to different people's offices. And that's how our family got involved in Little Tokyo because um, Little Tokyo Service Center had all these fundraiser events. Um, I was volunteering for those events, like growing up as a kid through middle school, high school. And one of my fond memories or all those uh, tofu festivals back in the day. And I loved volunteering for that place because you get free t-shirts, like really cool t-shirts. You got to have like all kinds of tofu food, like all the samples. And I met a lot of great people volunteering through that organization as well. So um, yeah, lots of fond memories. And then my father, he was involved in Shinkendo and his... The guy who founded Shinkendo here in Los Angeles is um, Toshishiro Obata. And he's the guy who played Taksu for the Ninja Turtles movie, mm. the original one. And ev- around that time in the 90s, um, the martial arts was having like come back like another boom, right? And it was about like ninjutsu with uh, Shokosugi. And then Shinkendo, Kendo, because of Obata sensei and a lot of these guys were getting like gigs for different kinds of movies. Um, yeah, like Obata Sensei, he was in all these other movies too. And so they would always have demonstrations around Little Tokyo, around Los Angeles. And so as a kid, I would accompany my dad, like help him clean his sorgs, help them set up, clean up. And that was like another aspect of hanging out in Little Tokyo. And yeah, the other day, I don't, I just had a taiko performance. This is kind of going off tangent. No, go ahead. We performed over at Bowers Museum. And like for the longest time, I haven't seen this guy, but he he's a family friend of my dad's because they did Shinkendo together. Um, he's uh, Ichiyanagai-san. And he makes like traditional Japanese candy where he like sculpts them into like dragons or like phoenixes and fish. I don't know if you've seen that guy around, but... Yeah, he's he's very famous too. Like he, I think yeah, he, he makes, would do the circuits around here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? And I heard he did like candy sculpting at the Kardashians' house or like wow. Dr. Dre's house. So <laughs> people are hiring him like all over the place. So that yeah. was pretty cool. Like we we caught up there and we were just talking about Shin Kendo and my dad and yeah, all kinds of things. Nice. It's crazy that you say that because I'm surprised our paths didn't cross. A long time ago, because right? I was also, you know, um, I think you're Grant's age. Yeah. Yeah. So you're older than me, but at the same time, I was at the Tofu Festival. Mm. I was doing all that street arts festival during Nisei Week, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I was there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a trip that we never, I mean, maybe we've seen each other. Maybe yeah. we like rub shoulders, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's crazy that we never like hit, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. 
Yeah. Uh, cool, man. So walking around here in Little Tokyo, um, do you have any favorite restaurants? Oh man, um, I would say it depends on the era of Little Tokyo. All right, <laughs> so, let's. All right, go like, ahead, let's hear. As this. a kid growing up, um, we used to go to uh, Mitsuda Grill a lot, where I would get. I I love their like teriyaki beef, teriyaki chicken dishes. Their um, I remember when Hideo Nomo was big, they had this big poster of Hideo Nomo, and I thought the flag that was in the background was really cool because it was like a mix between the American flag and like the Japanese flag. I remember the, that flag. The really cool drawing, yeah, and that was just something that stuck to me. Um, and then growing up, I also really loved Kodaku. I always got their Kodoke Keishoku my favorite like it's still my favorite i would always eat that eat that whenever i go to kodaku um and then like now we're in this like post i don't know what what it would be called but like the post gentrification era of little tokyo the trendy time the trendy time yeah so now we have like all those cool restaurants not in little tokyo but in the arts district mm-hmm. like verse kush and those places. So I would go there, but if it's if I were to pick a restaurant in Little Tokyo, probably be like the new one that I would go to would be Shinsengumi. I know Daikokuya is very famous and popular, but like Shinsengumi really hits the spot for me. Like I don't know what it, I think it could be the amount of garlic that they'll give you. I love garlic, so okay. I would just like pour tons and tons of garlic into my ramen there. So yeah, that's that would be my new favorite restaurant to go to here. You brought up so like era wise, Mitsuru Grill and Koraku were like when you were little. Mm-hmm. Man, those are my favorites now. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, they, don't get me wrong, like they're still my favorites. Yeah. But if I were to pick a new one, it would be like Shinsengumi. No, I, I get it. But Shinsengumi, I would go to Koraku anytime over Shinsengumi mm. or yeah, the other new places. Yeah. So at Shinsengumi. Mm-hmm. You don't just have a waiter or waitress come up to you and say, what do you want on the menu? Mm-hmm. They give you a piece of paper and mm-hmm. you have to fill out what you want, how you want it. That's um, right. What's your order at Shinsengumi? If you if you know yeah. it off the top of your head. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I will always get the barikata, which means like they, they barely cook the ramen noodles. Like they kind of dip it really quick to keep it as firm as possible. That way, I can eat as much as I can and then feel full later as it expands in my stomach. But, like, it's so satisfying eating it at that, like, crunchy, like, <laughs> nice, firm texture. And then um, I would get the tonkotsu, of course. Um, well, that's all they serve there. Um, and then soup base, I'll get normal, uh, normal oil. Um, I think everything pretty much normal levels. And then... I would include the negi, the onions, the ginger, sesame, and then the additional things I add to the ramen is the spicy miso paste. I've been getting that since the beginning. And then, so back, back when Shinsengumi first started coming, or first opened in the LA area, they only had those few things to add to your ramen, right? Now they have a huge menu with more options. They have like combination things you can add to your ramen. Like there's this one combination that has a bunch of garlic, like crispy garlic, all kinds of things, all, all the spicy 
additions and that's something I would probably get sometimes. If not, I would just add spoonfuls of the raw, like minced garlic into my ramen. Um, and then additionally, oh, the poached egg. Uh, usually it comes just by itself inside a little container, but when I get it, I pour a little bit of soy sauce in there, a little bit of adayu, and you just like slurp <laughs> it like a shot. I don't even put it in the ramen. I just <laughs> slurp it straight from the container. So good. It's kind of like the appetizer before I eat mm. the ramen. Yeah. So if no one's ever tried that, you should definitely try that at Shinseng Mi. And yeah, like pretty much just get the basic additions like the spicy miso and I'm pretty satisfied with that. Yeah. Um, cool. So you brought up that while your mom was working at LTSC, you would volunteer at all these events. You brought mm. up Tofu Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, was Tofu Festival one of your favorites of the events that you ever volunteered at? Or um, is there a memory that um, that you can bring up, something that, an experience that, you know, stayed with you f- until now? Until of, now. Like a past experience, like Tofu Festival, Nisei Week, mm-hmm. um, hanging out in Uncle Bill's office. You know, something mm-hmm. special that, you know, a memory of yours that you would want to relive. Of Little Tokyo in general? Or? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, man, like I've had so many memories like growing up here. So LTSC's Tofu Festival is definitely one of them. Um, another one is the Sake Festival that they used to do. Or they still do it, right? They still do it. Yeah. But I didn't volunteer as much for the sake festival because um, I was busy doing other things. Um, taiko gathering that Johnny Mario is um, sex up every year. That's something I recently became fond of. Like I, those are recent memories because um, yeah, I love performing at taiko. Oh gathering. yeah, when it comes to memories, I'm talking. It could be when you were ten, or uh-huh. it could be yesterday. Okay, so. okay. But man, um, I guess. The biggest memories would be Nisei Week, because like that's where we both like participate in the parades and all the festivals, and that that thing happens like throughout the whole week. So there are so many events to go to. That's definitely like the biggest event in Little Tokyo, I'd say. Everyone comes out, and sometimes it's recently it's been broadcasted on TV too, mm-hmm. right? So, ooh, and speaking of Nisei Week, I remember when uh, our friend Rodney he was emceeing where they like I think they had the camera for the TVs Mm -hmm. right here right in front of us where we are and um, I was pushing the Nibuka float that time so when I saw Rodney I got really excited I'm like oh shoot Rodney I'm gonna bring this float to you just hang on hang on and then he's like talking about us introducing the Nibuka float I bring it right in front of him and start doing the whole bowing thing he's like whoa (laughs) it's like scared him so um you brought up the Nebuta for Nisei Week. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go anywhere else, can you explain for our listeners that maybe don't know what a Nebuta is or has never experienced Nisei Week, um, your take on both Nisei Week and the Nebuta specifically? So mm-hmm. um, just general, Nisei Week Festival is the longest-running Japanese-American festival in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but go ahead and give me some some of your, uh, your Nisei Week... Uh, knowledge and then go into nebuta uh, okay if you can so nisei week um is a time when all sorts of organizations and individuals get highlighted and shown around little tokyo like there's a parade route and we have these organizations from like world war ii veterans all the way to 
um, volunteering communities like Little Tokyo Service Center and um, bands, cheerleader groups, sometimes like a, a cruise of these Rice Scout cars with anime stickers all over them, right? But yeah, um, it's, it's a mix every year, but um, the consistent participants are like Boy Scouts. Um, recently, it's been the Nebuta Aomori dancers and the Nebuta floats. Nebuta. Mm. Um, could you explain what that is and uh, what your role in it was? Okay, so the Nebuta Matsuri is a festival that happens in Aomori, Japan. And in the Aomori prefecture, it's um, up north. So they do uh, these dances with bells on their yukata. They wear a certain kind of like angled hat. Um, and I believe the dancing is called Hanetori. And yeah, they do like a bunch of like jumping, dancing, like throughout the parade route or the festivals. And then at the same time, there are these huge floats that are like on wheels because they're extremely heavy, like they're heavier than cars sometimes. And they have ginormous lanterns that are shaped and painted as like historical, like folklore legends, like um, Genji Monogatari or um, like Momotaro, maybe Momotaro, I'm not sure, but like different animals too, like dragons, tigers. And um, what I remember hearing from my parents is a long time ago when like the Japanese, quote unquote, Japanese like civilization was in the Japanese archipelago, they, like the Yamato clan, they were finding ways to like push out the indigenous population there. One of the ways they were doing it up in the northern Japan area was to bring out these huge floats to scare the living heck out of all these people. Because all the indigenous population thought these were like huge demons or like just monstrous like gods just coming in there to invade their territory. And they're banging like taiko drums, doing all kinds, making a bunch of ruckus to like scare the crap out of them. And I, that's one, I don't know if it's, 100% accurate, but that's one of the origins of where Nebuta comes from. But now, um, every year, the Aomori Festival is one of the biggest festivals in Japan. People from all over the place flock there to see the huge lanterns and floats because they're beautiful. Like, especially at night when they're lit up, you see these huge, thick, like paper lanterns, like, spread out across all these wooden frames and seeing these ginormous characters that are so well done, intricate. It's a beautiful thing to watch. And so back in 2009, I believe was the first year it came to Los Angeles because um, I remember being recruited for the very first Nebuta float that came here. And like my friends who I was like promoting um, Japanese events with, they invited me to come and yeah, we got to push the big float for the first time. And so ever since then, um, I volunteered to push the Nebita float. And over the years, some, sometimes, um, we didn't get the big floats because I, there was a lack of funding or they couldn't bring it over. But ever since it came back, like I've been consistent with pushing the float for Nisei week. Mm. Yeah. So for those who can't picture this, um, it's a big, paper lantern float Mm 
and under it there's four wheels and like a like a two by four going all the way around each mm-hmm. side and on each side there's like six guys in front six guys in back and then there's like two or three people on each corner with whistles and they're giving you all these signs mm-hmm. of what to do whether you spin the thing around or you go up and down with it like mm-hmm. it's bowing so if you want for my listeners you guys could just type in Nebuta floats on YouTube or yeah. even Nisei Week Nebuta uh, in the parade and you'll see um, what it looked like here in little Tokyo and maybe there's some videos of Craig in there who knows yeah you know? I've, I filmed <clears throat> some videos too on YouTube so they can probably like catch one of those oh, see yeah. there you go you can plug your YouTube channel <laughs> uh, so let's talk about today little Tokyo mm-hmm. um, you and your very pretty girlfriend Come into Little Tokyo. You guys are here from when business is open at around 11, 11.30, and you guys are going to stay until, let's say, dinner time. Mm-hmm. What does an ideal day in Little Tokyo look like to you? Ideal day in Little Tokyo. That really depends on the day, too, right? Um, so on a day like this where it's nice and cool, there's a nice little breeze going on, a little overcast, I'd probably look for a place to eat some kind of warm food. So probably hit up Kodaku, maybe Shinsengumi, and get some nice ramen. And then maybe walk around, check out some stores like um, Japangelis, for example. Like, I really like their clothes over there. Um, check out, like, some of the mochi shops and Fugetsudo. Mm. I would go there. Um, and they've been around for so long. Um, I would get the mochi ice creams from Mikawaya when they were around. Like, the Japanese sweets around here were. I'm, they were made here, right? And distributed like all over LA. And the, for a lo- for the longest time, you can only get them around here. Unless you went to Japan and brought some back yeah. home. But yeah, it was the place to go to get traditional Japanese sweets. And yeah, like I'm hearing stories about how a lot of them are closing down. The one place up in San Francisco. Yep, they just closed. They just closed. And they've been around since like the early 1900s. Mm. Which is really sad. Like that's a huge loss of history, and I really hope that doesn't happen to the ones down here. It's already started to happen with Mikawaya, and I hope Fugetsugo stays around longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. No. There's there's fighters, so I think yeah. I think we're good for now. Are there any businesses that if you can bring back, what would you bring back and why? Oh, <laughs> so back when the Little Tokyo Galleria used to be Yaohang. I I remember like there was a movie theater upstairs, bowling alley upstairs, um, like a bunch of fun stuff to do there. Uh, th- I really missed the clock tower there with the moving balls just rolling around. And was it a clock tower or just like some kind of? That's so crazy that you just brought that up because I totally forgot about that until mm. you just said it, and now it's pictured in my head. Yeah, like. Whatever it was, it was just like this tower with balls just rolling around and yep. doing like making things move. So that was as a kid, I was just kind of scared at that sometimes while waiting for my parents. That would really help pass the time. That's so crazy. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that and I remember we used to have demonstrations in that like mm-hmm. area, so that, that space. And it was it became kind of like 
the heart of Little Tokyo for a while. Like lots of people went there for the groceries because back then there were ver- there were still very few like Asian markets, and that was one of the few places you can、yeah. go to. But yeah, Yaohan. We used to see like you remember. Do you remember the commercials, the Yaohan Plaza commercials? No. Yeah, like on Channel Eighteen. Like, oh, I never watched Channel Eighteen. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> they so many Yaohan commercials. Like I have the jingle in my head, but I don't want to sing it just in case I'm butchering the words. <laughs> but yeah, people can look it up. It's nostalgic. Yeah, but yeah, Yaohan, I really miss、um, the bookstore Kinokuniya. Yeah, they got replaced by Daiso, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I miss the bookstores,、um, but there's still that one bookstore over at the Onizuka in Weller Court. Weller Court,、mm-hmm. yeah. So that's good. I'm glad they're still around.、Um, that's definitely a place where all the anime lovers, manga lovers, they go there to get their animes, mangas.、Um, you can get really cool Japanese stationery there. All the pens. Back then, like. That was the only place you can get the cool、yeah. advanced like、mm-hmm. mechanical pencils, right? The and if you had them at school, like people would come up to you as if like you have a piece of modern technology. Yeah, it's like having the first iPhone. Yeah,、right? going to school with the first generation iPhone before everybody had one. Exactly. Right? But you had it. You had it as a lead pencil or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So those kinds of things. Um, growing up, I really miss. Um, let's see, a store though, or anything. You anything. know, yeah. Hmm. I think Yaohan would be like the biggest thing. Yeah, I wish. Like it, it's still that plaza still there. So like, the- I mean, you know, to me, I'm gonna step in real quick.、Mm-hmm. To me, that plaza is still pretty alive. Yeah.、Um, you know, some of the restaurants are the same.、Mm-hmm. Um, the bowling alley just、uh, the. They closed down and then they reopened. Now it's a new bowling alley. Yeah, Xlings.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then the Daiso's there. There's、uh, coffee shops. There's、um, the market's good. I enjoy、yeah. the market. You know, that's where we grocery shop. Yeah, you know for sure.、Um, one thing I do miss about the Yaohan Plaza though is,、um, you know, the food court area in the market. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.、Um, My favorite combo there used to be the fried rice and karaoke.、Yes. They would literally just like four big scoops of fried rice and then a huge thing of karaoke, and they just put that in there, and then it's like three bucks. Yeah, yeah. So I do miss that, but yeah, no. The gosh, I can't believe you brought up the the ball thing. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they turned that off like a long time ago. Like, yeah, it just stopped running. Yeah, after and... a while, it was just like a thing there,、yeah. right? And then and now it's completely gone. Now I think it's like a fountain. Oh shoot! Yeah, no way.、And、I remember they had a lot of fountains inside too,、mm-hmm. like running water. Yep. Yeah, like kids would play in there sometimes. Yeah, and splash around. Well, and then like the second floor, right?、Mm-hmm. It was、uh, a playground. They had like the dragon. That's the right. The dragon playground. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So, man, gosh, what a trip, man! And that dragon <clears throat> <laughs> that survived. Like I remember seeing like. Over the years, the the top of the dragon,、mm-hmm. like where it had the scales, those started peeling、yeah. off. Like after a while,、apart. it just turned into like a worm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> man. But yeah, like the new places there at the plaza, I definitely go there. Like、um, Hondaya,、mm. Manna Korean Barbecue. Yeah, there are lots of good places to eat now. So yeah, not not a complete loss. Like it's just a new thing, like、mm-hmm. an evolved plaza. 
and you know what i'm i'm cool with them yeah you know they're giving out good food mm-hmm. um everybody's really nice out there so mm-hmm. at least you know it'd be different if like people were mean or like oh, i don't want you to eat in my business yeah kind of thing, you know yeah. so not cool yohan plaza wow <laughs> talk about nostalgia yeah seriously that's, like, that's our wild. nostalgia it's yeah. like nothing compared to like arts nostalgia where mm-hmm. yeah, that goes way back before our time so yeah so we're gonna take a break okay and then uh when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about maybe like obon stuff because mm-hmm. uh that's a that's a pretty big topic for at least us two as yeah. somebody as two people that can cut a rug on an obon street floor oh yeah i don't know what sure. you would call it but <laughs> uh and then we'll you know we'll talk about some other stuff but let's take a break and we'll come back to it all right Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. This is actually the first episode that we've recorded after the initial launch, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for the support and encouragement. It really means a lot. One of the things that we've been receiving a lot of good feedback about is related to our little Shiba mascot. I'm really glad you guys like him as much as I do. A few of you have actually asked about stickers, so I'm excited to announce that stickers will be available to order. Check out our website, littletokyotalks.com, for more details. And again, thank you so much for the support, and enjoy the rest of Craig's episode. And we're back with the Little Tokyo Talks podcast with Craig Kenta Saito. Uh, so, we talked a lot about Little Tokyo, we talked a little bit about Taiko, we talked about just stuff. So, um, more stuff that we want to talk about before we wrap up is uh, really fun summer festivals that happen, aside from Nisei Week, which mm. are the Obon festivals here in our communities. Yes. Um... First of all, how many Obon festivals do you usually go to before COVID, of course? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you right now, if you don't know, the ones in Little Tokyo are Higashi's Obon, Nishi's, Zenshuji's, Senshin, Senshin. That's a little farther. And then, yeah. but outside of that, then you have Gardena's Obon, you have the Valley Obon's, like Sun Valley, San Fernando, mm-hmm. um, Venice. Venice. Wescovino. Go ahead, Craig. Keep naming them if you know them, because obviously <laughs> I forgot them. So. Um, and then there's Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Shoot. There are so many that sometimes I just go there and don't even know where I am, but I just yeah. dance the night away. Yeah. Um, if you go farther than that, there's also San Diego. Um, so when Obon Festival, Obon season comes around, um, before the pandemic, I used to go all the way from San Diego to San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. And like, I aspire to go to the Las Vegas one too, but I never got the time or yeah, it just landed on the wrong week for me. So. Do you have a favorite Obon festival that or like one that mm. you like, I have to go to this one every year mm. kind of? Well, I have to go to my own, which is at West Covina because our taiko group performs there every year and yeah like gotta support the community but outside of that definitely have to go to all the ones in little tokyo um and then definitely have to go to gardinos because that's the last big bang um when i have the time to go to norcal i have to go to san jose's obon as well which is i believe the largest obon festival gardina is the second largest in California. But Gardena is definitely the largest one here down in Southern California. 
So yeah, those big ones. And then Pasadena, I would time to go to because your family goes there. Um, lots of our friends are like Nisei Week Queen mm-hmm. Court over there. So yeah, going there to support. Do you have a Do you have a favorite Obon food? Mm. Oh man, that's hard. So I really love dango, and then I really love like the maze gohan. Like those are my two go tos, and then of course like adamune, because it's the summer. You gotta have like that nice ice cold adamune. Pop the marble from the cap. That's nostalgia too. Like <laughs> I've been doing that since Japan, right? Yeah, so. That um, if we talk about games like King Yosuke, where you scoop the goldfish with the really thin paper mm-hmm. in that thing, um, or like trying to fish the yo-yo balls with your paper hook, mm. <laughs> yeah, like classics, yeah. So, do you have a favorite obon dance? Definitely, I have two dances that I'd say are like tied as my top, and they are the Memanbetsu Bayashi. And the Hokkai Abadembo. So those are the two like biggest workouts of the Obon usually for everybody. I feel for like sure. I feel like those are the ones you do either or actually they're probably the ones you do right before like the halftime and then they yeah. start handing out the waters because those are the workouts. Yep. yep. Um really fun dances though. I do agree. Those are those are really fun dances. They are. But um I feel like the dance itself is one thing, and that's a positive, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. But also the group of dancers that you dance with. And Craig, you dance with some of the wildest guys and <laughs> girls at the Obon, in the Obon circuits, at least here in L.A., because you see them all the time. So yeah. if you want to talk about those, those that wild you, bunch. Right? Uh, you know, I'm, I, I hold the tail end. I'm in the very back, kind of out of breath, and I kind of like sneak my way out when I get tired. <laughs> but let's hear oh man yeah like i mentioned earlier um i went to i was performing at bowers museum and like for two years i haven't seen any of these obon guys and but mark amba he was there taking photos and man like just the whole obon season hit me when i saw his face like he he completely changed too like he got new glasses he he lost a lot of weight. Like he, he looks really good, and I barely recognized him. But I saw him. Oh shoot, this guy! And he is one of the craziest gangsters at Obon. Um, he's been doing it like way earlier than I have been, and like he's definitely one of the guys I looked up to. Like when I was coming up gangsting at the Obon festivals. But yeah, like after joining his group of gangsters. Obong dancing just it happens at a whole nother level with him and that group and like the reason is like for all the people listening like if you haven't been to Obong like it's you go it's a Japanese festival for the dead where you kind of dance your night away and pay respects to your past ancestors and so like there's a Yagura a tower in the middle usually with a drum a taiko drum and then we play like traditional Obon music, Japanese folk songs, and we dance to those songs with different styles of dancing. And most of them are very chill, laid back, where you just take a couple steps, like slow steps, um, doing simple like hand gestures. But these songs that I mentioned earlier, when 
this group of people, like I call them like the Mark Amma group, because he's pretty much the guy who started mm-hmm. the crazy gang thing, at least in my time. And like he, we all, we all kind of like came up, have our own ideas of how to make the gangsters crazier. Like even the soft, slow moving ones, um, like the traditional Obon gangs. Um, instead of just taking like simple steps, I would like take long lunges and like do like crazy low squats while I do the hand movements. And we all kind of like pick up from each other and like copy each other and do the craziest moves together. And like that, that harmony and that like collective crazy gangsing just, man, it, it's like, it elevates you to another, like... Yeah, it's like it's you're not yourself anymore. Yeah, you're like something yeah, yeah. else. You become and... something else. You become more than just a human gangster at the Obon festivals. You become, like, a spirit of the festival. So, like, every year um, when we dance with all of our friends, you, you become, like, the spirit of the summer festival. And, man, like, when the pandemic hit and that went away... That hit me so hard. I I think I got depressed because of that. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I I feel like that that hit everybody. You yeah, know? yeah. You're taking something that you you look forward to every year, right? Exactly. And just don't do it for two it's, years. So hopefully, yeah. they make a comeback. Hopefully, and know? I'm hearing like whispers here and there about different communities trying to bring it back. So word hope- on the street. That's what I've been hearing too. Mm. So we'll see. Um, cool. So we talked about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. there's somebody in both of our lives that was super important yeah and he's the reason why you and i actually got to meet and that's rodney kageyama mm-hmm. so for our mm-hmm. my listeners uh who don't know rodney kageyama was the unofficial mayor of little tokyo <laughs> yeah um uh community superstar yeah. um he was an actor uh he was uh uh, everything, all around everything. And um, I'm pretty sure you can go to Little Tokyo any day of the week and you'd run into Rodney somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Rodney a little bit and then we'll finish up. But um, to me, Rodney was... Um, Rodney was kind of... Well, we all called him Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, he was a really good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I met him through Nisei Week a mm-hmm. long time ago, like when I was a baby, basically. Mm-hmm. But then when I started uh, volunteering for Nisei Week, like in high school, junior high school, um, is when I really got to know Rodney. Mm-hmm. And then um, from there, you know, Rodney used to help me with a lot of stuff. I took over the baby show that mm-hmm. Rodney and JT were doing. Um, and then Rodney would help me, you know, getting Tycho gigs sometimes here in the community. So mm-hmm. uh, how did you meet Rodney? How did you become Rodney's friend. So like you said, um, I would see him all over the place in Little Tokyo, like growing up, but um, I never really spoke to him as a kid. And then later on, I think sometime in high school or even college, um, I just randomly went up to him and I said, hey, like, I've always seen you all over Little Tokyo. I thought I'd say hi to you and introduce myself because I feel like you are like the heart, like one of the hearts of Little Tokyo. And I, I gotta get to know you because it's like family, right? And 
I think he was really touched by that. So he's he's like, yeah, um, I'm Rodney Kageyama. Like, here's my business card. I love pugs. Like, if you remember his oh, old yeah, card, his business card will show you that he loves yeah. pugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and since then, we just we would always hang out when the festivals came around, or even after the festival season, we hit each other up and go grab dinner somewhere, or go grab lunch somewhere, and just talk about life. And then he would, he would kind of become like my mentor at the same time. And sometimes he would ask me for advice, like, Oh, how, how do you deal with like certain kinds of people? Like, how do you block all this negative energy or whatnot? Yeah. And so we had a lot of great conversations. Like we, I don't think we ever talked about his acting career. Like I didn't even know that he was in some of the movies I've watched as a kid, mm-hmm. but, um, that was totally not part of the thing, our relationship. Um, it was really like just getting to know each other at like a very personal level. And yeah, he's such a great guy. Like yeah. he has so much experience. I didn't know that he was one of like the pioneering actors at the East Coast players. Right. And so he's definitely like a huge figure in the Little Tokyo community also amongst like Asian actors and yeah because of him like I feel like he kept a lot of people together here in Little Tokyo like he was like that binding force that drew people here kept them here and yeah like man when he passed it was it was a huge loss for oh, for sure for us yeah 100% even the community yeah I think the last time you and I performed together was at his uh, at his memorial thing. Yeah, yeah. That and was a that was a special one, man. I felt you know that you was. felt you felt Rodney there. You yeah, know? totally. So, um, but yeah, for those of you that don't know who Rodney Kageyama is, um, you could probably go into Little Tokyo. You can probably go into any business, any restaurant, and ask who's Rodney Kageyama, and they'll tell you a Rodney story. They'll tell you about <laughs> Rodney. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rodney, rest in peace. We miss you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, always with us. But uh, one thing that Rodney did leave was a legacy. Mm-hmm. For you know, sure. Rodney definitely left uh, left a footprint in this community that I don't know if anybody can fill, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we, we all try our best. Um, so I'm going to ask you, we're going to wrap this up, but I wanted to ask you, um, what do you want little Tokyo to be after you're gone? You know, if you separated yourself from the community for some reason, or if you moved away Mm -hmm. um, and you didn't come back for a long time, when you come back, what, what's something that you want little Tokyo? What's your vision of little Tokyo? Little Tokyo like was kind of like my backyard growing up. And it was always a place where my family came to grab Japanese food and share Japanese culture because at the time it was still a small community and like now it's kind of well the loud mufflers in the background. It's little Tokyo. Like I bet they have like they probably have anime stickers on their cars. I don't know. But, right now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Little Tokyo was, it's definitely has a special place in my heart. And like, I definitely would like this community to be around so that future generations can come here to enjoy 
various Japanese foods, cultures, um, and just have a space for all of us to come together. You don't even have to be Japanese, just like, just come together as a community, as Los Angeles citizens and like share moments of happiness together, like at the Obon festivals, Nisei Week parade. I definitely would like to see Nisei Week stay around for as long as it can. Obon festivals as well. And yeah, just having a place where you can consistently come back to and like meet the same faces every year, no matter how long you haven't seen each other throughout the rest of the year. It's a great place to come back and say, Oh man, like, how are you? Long time no see. Uh, you want to go grab some kodaku, like after the dance or something. Like, it's a great place. Like, I love this, like, community and like, it's had its ups and downs, but it's always going to have a special place in my heart. Perfect. And then, um, last question. What do you want your little Tokyo legacy to be? What do you want your kids and your grandkids to to take from you and your experiences here in little Tokyo? Ever since dancing or like after dancing at the Bone Festivals and playing Taiko for a while, I started like noticing that some kids would come up to me and say, Hey, like I've seen you dance at this other place or like I really like the way you dance or I really enjoy watching you play taiko so if if my dancing and taiko playing inspires like the younger generations or future generations to do the exact same thing and pass on that tradition and that culture to their future generations i would really love that to be my legacy like to inspire people to come together more and share their joys of like all kinds of experiences whether it be traditional arts to just getting food together at some place in the community, right? Like just preserving that community spirit is what I would like to be the legacy. Perfect, man. God, those are my favorite answers is these last two <laughs> questions. Hearing everybody's answers are so cool. So that wraps up the, uh, little Tokyo talks podcast. Um, they're, they're not going to stop. All right. Yeah. We're just going to, you know what? I'm going to do it one more time, and there could be explosions. I don't even care. <laughs> All right. That wraps up the uh, Little Tokyo Talks podcast for today. But um, before we officially end, Craig, is there anything going on? Do you have any new projects? Do you have uh, any other food wrecks? Do you have anything that you want to say mm. freely? This is your time. All right. So um, when the pandemic hit, like, Obviously, all the, many taiko groups stopped practicing in person, and we were struggling to find ways to continue playing taiko in general. Uh, and one of the projects I got involved in is called a group called Rhythmic Flow Taiko, which was formed to cater to individuals with Parkinson's disease. And it's, it became an online group where we have various strategies to play taiko and warm-ups exercises for uh, individuals who struggle with like even holding taiko bachi or struggle with certain movements and what we do is we try to make like a safe a nice taiko space for just now it's become a space for anyone with any kind of like accessibility issues to have a place where you can practice exercises and taiko movements, taiko songs 
with like maybe uh, more catered hands-on like teaching experience or learning experience. Like for me, like I have my different sized hands. Like I can't grab bachi the same way I do as other as other people. And so, like using that kind of experience and that knowledge, I try to accommodate other people who struggle with all kinds of taiko playing and try to come up with new ways for them to be able to play taiko and it's grown like quite a lot since the pandemic we've put together a website uh, rhythmflowtaiko.com and where we did a lot of fundraisers the tca taiko community alliance they were gracious to provide us a grant to put things together and we recently started um, opening up some new classes. So if anyone out there, not just in individuals with Parkinson's, but if you have any like physical issues or physical obstacles in playing taiko or even cognitive obstacles, yeah, come by and check it out. And maybe it's something that you would enjoy. And maybe you can enjoy the art of taiko through that class. So, and then other than that, like, uh, you said Kishin has a upcoming performance. Oh yeah, yeah. So on April twenty third, Kishin Daiko will be performing at the West Covina Cherry Blossom Festival at the West Covina Mall. We'll be playing right in front of Red Robins, I believe. It's gonna be a space in between Lazy Dog and Red Robins. So if you guys can find your way there, come by and support. I believe we'll be performing at. Both twelve thirty and one thirty at that venue. Yeah, come check us out. Perfect, uh, Craig. Thank you so much for coming on the yeah. podcast today. Thank you for uh, having me. It's always me. fun hanging out with you. Um, again, I haven't seen you in a couple years, so yeah. it's really cool that this is the first meeting that we have is on my new project, and we talk about your new projects. For so, sure. um, with that, this concludes the Little Tokyo Talks podcast. I'll catch you guys later. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to visit our website, littletokyotalks.com, for recs and additional episodes. I want to give a special thanks to Ed Oyama for our Little Tokyo Talks intro music, Tokyo Lockdown. You can find Ed at Oyama's Music on Spotify, Instagram, and YouTube. Alright, catch y'all later.